Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special broadcast bonus episode of Gotta Have Heart Wrestling by your truly, Jim Hollins. I want to go back to year 2006. Things were kind of changing, kind of in a way where you see different roster talents of both Raw and SmackDown, you know, come together, even show up each other's shows during the end of 2006, such as, you know, the Hardy Boys, whether Matt and Jeffrey featured on the new WWE's version of ECW on Tuesday nights on Sci-Fi. I wasn't sometimes you see Ross Jeff Hardy go to SmackDown or even SmackDown's Matt Hardy come to Monday Night Raw. Any other time you would have, you know, champions of each other's shows, whether you have, let's say, John Cena, the WWE champion, and SmackDown's Batista, the World Heavyweight champion, you know, come together for one and only. This would certainly be a true dream team come to an existence here because this... These two guys will come together for the 2006 Armageddon pay-per-view event. And that's what we're going to talk about today's bonus episode of WWE's Armageddon 2006. This is going to take place on December 17, 2006 from the Richmond Coliseum in Richmond, Virginia. This has a tennis record of 8,200 fans. Not a big sold-out tennis record here for this Richmond Coliseum. But the tagline will read, the end is only the beginning. Like I said, subsequently, we had rivalries, whether, you know, technically this was only supposed to be a SmackDown exclusive and pay-per-view event. But like I said, Raw's WWE Champion John Cena will show up with one and only. Job he's uh, try to overcome King Booker and his uh, throne, his court, featuring Finley. At the time, of course, you know, John Cena on the role of his career as being WWE Champion. And Batista, who had just regained the championship from King Booker this past Survivor Series event from Philadelphia, where he even vacated the championship in the first place. Let's just say this event would be okay, because it kind of grossed over $423,500 in ticket sales from the 10 cents record of 8200 you know? So it wouldn't be the highest grossing event, but at least for the state of the uh, city of Richmond, Virginia, at least, you know, that's kind of something, you know? But yeah, nonetheless, yeah, we even had this event was so fun because we got to see the only second ever last ride match compared to one that happened two years ago between John between JBL and the Undertaker. We even saw an Inferno match that hadn't had happened since 1999 since Triple H battled Kane on a special episode of SmackDown. So it's kind of fun to see these re- two gimmick matches return in the favor of Kane and the Undertaker at this event also. But nonetheless, we've had a dark match between Wagner Kozlov, who really known who Wagner Kozlov left until he showed up in WWE two years later, faced up against Sky Tahadi and defeated him within two minutes and one second. So, like I said, Wagner Kozlov, newcomer to the WWE at the time, didn't really know who he was. He wouldn't show up on TV until two years later. And he got the veteran, of course, Sky Tahadi from the famous Two Cool group with him, Grant Sexy, and Rikishi. So, nonetheless, I guess it was a good dark match to entertain fans right before the main show. And in that way, just got the fans more involved what the pay was going to be like later on that night. All right, we open up with the first match, the dangerous, the uncommon Inferno match. The return of the Inferno match for the first time in seven years. This is crazy. I always enjoy the Inferno match. Like I said, the two that happened between Untaker and Kane at Unforgiven 1998, even on Raw on February 1999. Really good in front of matches. I really loved it. The Triple H Kane one in the past on SmackDown 
and September 99. I didn't really enjoy that one. That was kind of a flop. But, like I said, this will only be the fourth in front of match in WCS3. Where well, we saw Kane go one-on-one against the newcomer Montel Bontavious Porter, MVP. This match would really be out of MVP's territory, the newcomer. But, like I said, it all started rapidly here where MVP successfully, I think by luck, to assure you, he got two victories over Kane on two smackdowns in a row in a steel cage match and in a street fight that happened in in the UK. So in order to at least send Kane off on the right path, let's do things Kane's way, the in front of the match. This match should be pretty good back and forth here. It would only last eight minutes fourteen seconds. But for the first time in his career, Kane had won his first in front of the match by sending MVP's back on fire from the outside of the ring on the steel steps grabbing MVP by the neck and just slowly pushing him towards the fire. MVP back and set on fire before he's put out by firefighters and, you know, extinguishers. So, yeah. I think it was a pretty bad night for MVP. A very scarred night for MVP. So, like I said, Kane's first Inferno victory, finally. You know, second match anyway. So, and MVP got a really hard lesson and a brutal, well, I guess, welcome in the SmackDown as far as being the land of giants. And that's pretty much the last time we'll see MVP try to battle somebody twice his size. So I think he learned his lesson after that night, you know. <laughs> but unless Kane here always always on top of his game, no matter what kind of matchup he is, still the big rubber machine, still the monster, still his right there, head into your town seven. He was gonna make sure that things were going his way on SmackDown. Next up, we would have it was supposed to be supposed to be Brian Kendrick and Paul and defending tag champions against Dave Taylor and William Regal. Mind you, this is supposed to be a tag team title matchup here. This is where it kind of gets interesting. If you have Teddy Long, you kind of when it comes to Teddy Long and tag matches, you're kind of gonna gonna get unexpected, you know, surprises. And since we was around the time for Christmas. I think it was only fitting to let Teddy Long give us an early Christmas present here because he will turn this into a tag team ladder match, which obviously is in the favor of the team of Brian Kendrick and Paul London. But with a twist, now there will be two more teams added to the mix. First comes out the newly reunited Eminem of Johnny Mitro, Mercury, and Melina back together again, one and only. And if you got a ladder match, you cannot have a ladder match without the guys who invented the ladder match, the guys who made the ladder match famous. You have got to have Matt and Jeff, the Hardy Boys, back together again, one and only, thus making it a fatal four-way tag team championship ladder match here. We saw lots of stunts here. But mind you, keep an eye on this matchup here. If you go back and watch this match on the Living Network, Armageddon 106, oh, man, I, I would say this is a very disruptive night. Because Joey Mercury suffered a broken nose, which a catapult ladder, which is a Hardy specialty when it comes to ladder matches. Jeff Hardy coming up on top rope, hitting the ladder. Matt Hardy holding Mercury's face. That ladder pushed up right into Mercury's nose. And, oh, my God. I I would say as far as blood spots go, that's probably got to be the worst blood spots I've ever seen. This is so dangerous. You see the blood just dripping from Mercury's nose like a faucet. Literally like a faucet. Is Right eye is swollen shut, his left eye barely closing, and his nose uh, busted and probably broken in a few spots, too. This was, this was so an incident here. I don't think that was supposed to happen, but it did. So, even though I don't like 
Evan Elmas match, I felt bad for Dorian Mercury getting his notes completely busted and injured that night. So, yeah. Nonetheless, this was a good ladder match. This is as far as ladder match goes. This is pretty be. This is be one of the top twenty ladder matches here. So I gotta put this up there. You know, it's not really for like a single championship or a poor championship, but it's for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. As far as the main goes, Paul London, Paul London, and Brian Kendrick, it kind of brought them up there as far as the tag team stratosphere goes and making them one of the best tag teams in WWE history. Ian. The good thing about it, Paul and Brian Kendrick retained the Tag Team Championships in 20 minutes and 30 seconds here. So, like I said, as far as live matches go, they'll still be up there, and it would boost the more profile of Paul and Brian Kendrick being these SmackDown Tag Team Champions. So, kudos to this team here. Kudos to Matt and Jeff Hardy for putting on the main ladder match. And even Dave Lee Ringo for even having the effort to even complete the ladder match, even though it's really out of their element. But they still did a good job anyway, so kudos to them as well. Next up, we will have the Boogeyman going one on one against the Miz. Mind you, Miz being another newcomer. We know Miz from the MTV series to Real World, having been on a celebrity MVTV for many years. Him coming to SmackDown Town 6 and trying out wrestling to see how good it was. Neither we just know that this is the start of the Miz's career. We now know the Miz has won every major championship in WWE today, including Money in the Bank twice. Right now, he is currently Miss Money in the Bank in WWE in real life. Even made him a WrestleMania defeating John Cena. That is a huge accomplishment itself. So Miz can have that in his repertoire as defeating John Cena for the WWE Championship and it made him a WrestleMania 27. So, but nonetheless, he was still kind of like an amateur. I was prime here. He decided to challenge the Boogeyman. Not a wise decision, but the Boogeyman would defeat the Miz in 2 minutes and 51 seconds here. And lesson learned for the Miz never mess with somebody that is very different than you very mystique than you and like no other opponent you've ever faced before. The Boogeyman is kind of somebody you're going to want to stay away from. So even though a good effort for the Miz, but it was you know, Boogeyman who would ultimately defeat the Miz in quick fashion that is. So, yeah. Next up, we will see the United States Championship Online Chris Benoit defends against Chava Guerrero with Ricky Rosen in his corner. Mind you, Chris Benoit, even though you know, it's not talking about much in the WWE program today because of the incident that happened in Town 7. But you guys can't deny how good of an athlete Chris Benoit is. The best. One of the best to come out of Canada. Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And say he's one of the best technical wrestlers of all time. Especially in the WWE system. Or whether the OCW, ECW, or WWE. So, Chris Benoit is definitely out there as far as 20 greatest wrestlers of all time. And you got got Chop Guerrero. Chop Guerrero, who had ultimately put Rami Sterling out of action. For a number of months here, yeah, a long, very long number of months, with that leg during the Icon match on SmackDown three months prior. He started right because of Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit wanted to make a name for himself at Chris Benoit's expense, especially becoming the United States champion. Of course, you know, the, the lineage of the United States championship very, very prestigious, no matter to the first champion, Holly Race, in 1970. So, this would be one of those foreign championship matches in Chavo Guerrero's career. This is pretty good match back and forth. We saw Vicky Guerrero attempted to interfere in this matchup, unsuccessful here, as Chris Morrow makes Chavo Guerrero tap out to the crossface in 12 minutes and 14 seconds, retaining his United States Championship. And Chavo Guerrero making it known that when it comes to Liz's family, or La Familia, Chavo Guerrero is, you know, down there. But Chris Morrow is not one to be messed with, too. You know, Chris Morrow is always tough and, you know, 
competitive in his career, Chris Paul will beat the crap out of you. We, I think anybody, anybody who Chris Paul will tell you that straight up. So, yeah, for the late great Chris Paul here, that was a pretty good matchup, you know, for the big deal least, and another great successful title defense here. Next up, we'll see a singles match for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship between Gregory Helm and Jimmy Wayne Gang. Let me tell you something about Jimmy Wayne Gang. He was a former wrestler, you know, not wrestling WWE today, but when he was that character, before he was the, let me see, Akio character in WWE, you know, being with or gets managed by Tajiri once upon a time ago. So, Jimmy Wayne Gang, was, when he became this guy, Jimmy Wayne Gang, it wasn't too bad. It was a pretty good character. I kind of enjoyed it roughly. You know, he's trying to make a name for himself. New character, new gimmick, whatever you want to call it. But, guys, going up against like, Gregory Helms, who was formerly known as the Hurricane, or Hurricane Helms at that, especially before a championship, the Cruiserweight Championship. Let me tell you about this, though. We know the group, the best friends between Shannon Moore, Gregory Helms, and the Hardy Boys, all from North Carolina, North Kakalaki. As JBL would describe every week on SmackDown. So, yeah, around this time, though, Gregory Helms is at the prime is correct. Mind you, he had been the Cruiserweight Champion since the Warrior Rumble of January 2006. So, from that date, January 2006, all the way to December 2006, and he's had a chance for roughly goddamn nearly a year. It was at that time, even longer than Paul and Brian Kendrick's SmackDown Tag Team Championship run. It was that good. It really was. So, give the Gregory Helms for holding the championship for roughly the entire year of Town 6. You know, proclaiming himself probably being the greatest cruiserweight champion of all time. You can't deny that. Gregory Helms will probably be the greatest cruiserweight champion of all time. There's nobody that can beat that record. I don't think nobody ever will beat that record also. And that's Gregory Helms with the Fijian Wing Gang. In 10 minutes, 51 seconds here. Good fashion, mind you, too. I've always been impressed with Gregory Helms in the ring. No matter where he's been. He's one of the most accomplished Kool-Aid wrestlers, even one of the most accomplished wrestlers of all time. So, good try for Jim Wayne Gang, but he'll come up short in this matchup here against Gregory Holmes. Next up, we will see the second and, I think, final last match, last ride match ever in WWE history between The Undertaker and Mr. Kennedy. Kennedy. Okay, he said it twice, but yeah. But... Like I said, we like I said we've seen how brutal the first last ride match was between Undertaker and JBL at the 2004 No Mercy pay per view event. So now we will kind of get to see here what will happen between Undertaker and Mr. Kennedy. Mind you, Mr. Kennedy was calling all shots here, even when he was the United Champion, getting that No UQ victory over the Undertaker at No Mercy, but he didn't exactly lead that match standing on his own will. Even luckily, thanks to the influence of MVP defeating the Undertaker in their first blood match at the Survivor Series. Mind you, there's only like one person that's defeated Undertaker in the first match, and that's known Cole Steve Austin at the fully loaded 1999 pay per view event for the WWE Championship in that event. So, if Miss Kennedy can say in his career he's got a victory over the Undertaker at Survivor Series in a first blood matchup, that's pretty big to say. That's that's a big accomplishment, even if one of the WWE Championship. Now, I know Miss Kennedy's one of the most accomplished wrestlers. He defeated six world champions and six former world champions in SmackDowns in his tenure with WWE. That's how much a month. He hasn't even been the TNA World Heavyweight Champion during his tenure with TNA Wrestling back in 2011. Defeating with the, well, I guess, Antichrist Jeff Hardy, the heel Jeff Hardy at the time. So, yeah, Miss Kennedy was on verge of becoming a huge name, huge name superstar on SmackDown. But first, to make an name for yourself, you're going to want to take up 
SmackDown's biggest star, the Grim Reaper himself, the Undertaker. If you take out the Undertaker, you're pretty much on top of that ladder there. So, only do that is get the Undertaker to rest in peace. And the last ride match will surely do it. One of the scariest bumpers match up here when these two fought on top of the stage, one of the smaller stage sets of the Armageddon pay-per-view event. And Miss Kenny tossed the Undertaker off of there. I think about 15 feet off of there. Undertaker landed somewhere on the ground. I think some soft spot, thank God. He wasn't too injured here. We even saw Miss Kennedy try to load the Undertaker in, inside that, that um, uh, I don't know what you call those things, those trucks that drives coffins to the funeral homes. You know, a hearse. Yeah, put the Undertaker back in that hearse. He slammed it. Well, Miss Kennedy proceeded to back the hearse out of the arena. We saw the Undertaker sit up, grab Miss Kennedy out there, take Miss Kennedy up, make two stumbling on top of the hearse. Pitting Miss Kennedy on the back of her, closing the shut, driving the hearse out of the arena to win the match here. And take another memorable moment in his career, another monumental victory for the dead man. Then the Undertaker will also put an end to Undertaker and Kennedy's rivalry here. That's Undertaker had bigger things to focus on as far as year 2007 goes, as far as him being the guy to become a waterway champion in the future here. And that's what the Undertaker did. So cross the Undertaker, my guy, for winning that match against Miss Kennedy here. Next up, we have the main event here. As we will see, the first time ever, never before and never again. I guess I can't really use that because you don't see in the rock. But I guess the last time, the only time, okay, I'll use that. The only time we'll see these two team up, the WWE Champion, John Cena and the World WWE Champion, Batista team up for the first time ever. I guess the King Booker's core of King Booker and Finley with Queen Charmella. Now we know these had these two guys besides John Cena had one hell of a year in town five. They did it again in town six. It wasn't really go their way as far as Batista go, but the injury that kept them on the back for six months. Returned, beat King Booker for a championship Survivor Series. John Cena getting his day championship back from Edge at the Unforgiven Pay-View in the Taylor and Chase match in Toronto. And Let's just say it's a pretty good matchup for these two, and a pretty easy win, because they would eventually defeat King Booker instantly in a taxi match in 11 minutes and 29 seconds, with them pulling with their respective championships to close out the show here. I've always wondered that, you know, this match was okay, but I've always wondered if the last Ryan match should have closed out the show. I've heard many fans say that, you know, this match, the taxi matchup with John Cena Batista versus Booker Jr. Finley wasn't really the best main event matches of all time, especially if you have two world champions from different shows teaming against each other, teaming with each other to go against two other people. It's okay, but it could have been bigger. Anyway, so for this match to happen, it was okay. It was maybe attraction on paper, but as far as the match happened itself, in my opinion, I didn't think it was that good either. I think the last time I should have closed out the show here, it would have been more fitness to take it, just drive, drive Kennedy in that hearse, out of the arena to close the show, that would have been a lot better, you know. So, but overall, I guess maybe a three out of five stars. It wasn't too bad, you know. Like I said, we got the return of the last round match in the Inferno match, and we saw an amazing fan for a ladder match, too. too. So, I think SmackDown and Taylor did deliver on the Chief event. It was pretty much loaded, you know, throughout halfway of the card here. But nonetheless, it'll be good to talk about, you know. So, yeah. And don't forget, we are only seven days away from WWE's TLC pay-per-view event live on the network at 7 o'clock, 4 Eastern here. Exclusively, we have two TLC matches. 
one for the WWE Championship and one for the Universal Championship. And by the way, guys, I'm proud to announce that I've created my own website called gottahaveheartw.com. Again, that's gottahaveheartw.com. Website, check out my episodes. I'm going to have a sub-exclusive shop soon, hopefully within the early 2021. I'm going to be selling merchandise here, too. So if you guys ever want to purchase a t-shirt or a hat, you know, you can always come to my website to do it. But you look at the latest news from WWE's AEW or any other wrestling news I talk about on there. You know, so you can go right there and check out the scoops or anything. But go and check it out. Again, that's gotahaveheartw.com. You can also links to my Facebook page, my Instagram, and my Twitter. And just go out there, feel free to explore it. Give me a feedback on it. Feedback is always important. Again, I appreciate you guys, fans, for following me on Twitter a lot. Really amazing. And I love you guys for it. And thank you again. And well, I may I may just do another bone episode later on today. May just do one. We'll see. But like I said, tune TLC next week Sunday, seven days away from now, exclusively on the WWE Network. Thank you guys again, and you have a good day and be safe.